0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty, the Armstrong and Getty Show. Our economy is growing faster than it has in decades. Unemployment is down to 4.2 percent, and nearly six million jobs have been added since January.
2: Just like 15 minutes ago, we were reading this CBS uh, news article that was explaining how terrible the economy is, how people are devastated. They have no money. And we need not only a fourth round of stimulus checks, but it just needs to be like every other month until we say uh, uncle
3: that it just needs to be a recurring payment because things are so bad. That's one of the weird messaging things that the the Biden administration has that's just. Nobody can seem to figure it out. How are you going to? How are you? Well, they are. They're going around making two different arguments at the same time. They make the argument about how people are hurting out there so you can get the build back better pass. People are hurting. They need this money. This is very important. Well, at the same time, because he's getting killed on the economy, like 70% of Americans think Biden's failing on the economy. He and Kamala Harris are going around spouting statistics that are just fanciful to try to argue on how they've done such a great job on the economy. Well, you can't do both. Right. <laughs> it's weird that you're doing both of these at the same time. <laughs> and claiming that you created all these jobs, the government shut down the economy for like nine months, wouldn't let anybody work, wouldn't let anybody open their business. Then they opened it back up. When people go back to work, you don't get credit for all those jobs, all right? The Come jobs on, that now. you crushed. It's like choking your friend half to
2: death and then claiming credit for reviving them. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work that way. So I'm, th- that was half unfair, though, playing the utterly unlikable, talentless uh, uh, poltroon who's serving as our current <laughs> vice president. Come on now. Let's let the head guy speak for himself. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States, Clip 21, Joseph R. Biden.
4: Everyone, everyone is a little harder so you know so mom can grandma can walk out without having uh, out of her porch without worrying about falling can take care of herself can be left alone they're going to keep working to pay the bills look my plan is simple we're going to make sure we take care of mom we're going to take care of the child you and those of you in the sandwich generation you're dealing with both you're dealing with both look and families can save money
2: Boy, I'm I'm part of what? the sandwich generation for sure. <laughs> Ham, peanut butter, tur- club. <laughs> Club's my favorite sandwich. I love a club sandwich.
3: <laughs> what is it? What is a club sandwich? That generally has uh,
2: like a bacon, some oh. some chicken or turkey, maybe some avocado, lettuce, tomato. It's usually got like three layers of bread for some reason.
3: Mm, I'm on a sandwich kick right now, coming out of the hospital. Yeah, I'll have to try that. Oh, you
2: can't lose with a club sandwich. Oh
3: Back gosh, to I... the uh, president. What the hell was he talking about? Uh, well, not he's hard to, to follow. Not clear or. to
2: me, yeah. yeah.
3: Mom, Grandma,
2: out on the porch, struggling. <laughs> struggling. We want to be sure she can stay alone on her porch? Why is she struggling? Is it wh- what? <laughs> Surrounded by sandwiches? <laughs> oh, man, that was some rambly garbage. Do you play that again, Michael? Why not?
4: <laughs> everyone, everyone is a little harder. So, you know, so mom can—grandmom can walk out without uh, having—out of her porch without worrying about falling, can take care of herself, can be left alone. They're going to keep working to pay the bills. Look, my plan is simple. We're going to make sure we take care of mom, we're going to take care of the child. You and—those of you in the sandwich generation, you're dealing with both. You're dealing with both. Look, and families can save money. All right,
2: <laughs> all right.
4: Those of you uh, in the sandwich generation are
2: mm, delicious sandwiches. So I wanted to bring up a couple of economic stories. Dollars, the business of America is business. And uh, boy, some studies are out. The American Psychiatric Association says many Americans nearing their second year working from home. Uh, while this is allowed for more convenience, fewer commutes, blah, blah, blah. Teleworking has impacted the mental and physical health of many people. With many workers directing all their attention to a computer screen for many hours each day, they may feel drained emotionally and cognitively. Um, And and the barrier between work life and home life has been erased for a lot of people. Uh, And now that people are working from home, have been working from home for, you know, maybe a year or two. There's a loss of boundaries. Uh, People are checked out on autopilot. Uh, Feelings of burnout, disengagement, depression, fatigue, uh, anxiousness. Problems with sleep, exercise, orthopedics, and eating, along with depression and anxiety. Other than that, everything's great. Blood clots, such as deep vein thrombosis, also oh. known to occur when sitting for many hours at a time without moving. Yeah, don't do that. That's bad for you, anyway. Uh, so I thought that was that was really interesting. Um, and then in a related story, this is from uh, a business website, uh, the Journal of Management is out with a research study that says bosses who respect zero off hours email improve their employees lives performance or uh, morale and and uh performance um so the whole and and we do this on the show and and you know I'll talk to the we should talk to the fellows about it well you know I'll see audio late at night and text one of the guys say hey let's get this audio for tomorrow and and if that's bothersome to people, I'll figure out somehow some way to save it up. But they say that really affects people, getting hit with that uh, 8 o'clock email from your boss. Huh. Of course, I don't know. What are you doing checking your work email at 8 o'clock anyway? I wouldn't know I got an email from my boss. Maybe people have the alerts or something, their, their phone dings.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't know if I got an email late at night either. I'd I'd see it the next morning when I checked my email. Yeah, that may be one well, of those, those examples text, we text where we lot.
2: have a, a weird job. I, we get hundreds of emails, so I couldn't possibly do
3: that. We do text like Hanson, Michael, Alex. We do text all hours of night and day, just to, just to see if you're on your toes. <laughs> is that That's why you're doing up? it? <laughs> I have a life. I'm, Please leave me alone. I know I'm not on my toes, so I want to see if anybody else is on their toes. Somebody ought to be on their toes. <laughs> Oh, so
2: I just thought that was interesting in, uh, you know, the the, the grand pronouncements. I'm, I'm just old enough now. I've observed enough cycles of politics and culture and, and, and uh, music and just you name it. Whenever something big happens and these columnists rush out with their grand pronouncements about how this has changed X forever. Why don't you give it a year? <laughs> Why don't you see how people are actually dealing with this? Maybe some things are different after a year than they are after a day. Let's not make grand pronouncements about the 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 office is now a thing of the past.
3: Um I think I I feel like a lot of the uh, being interrupted by texts or emails from work and all that sort of stuff is on the receiver. I don't know. I unless there's a culture of hey uh, I didn't
2: hear from you for four hours after I emailed you this is an important client because uh, yeah. I, I have a feeling that happens in some uh,
3: maybe lines, it does lines of work but I just like if I if I text or email somebody and they don't get back to me I just assume they haven't sent I don't know I've never had the expectation that somebody is staring at their phone awaiting some information from me all 24 hours a day and they need to respond right away. But. Right. Well, and I hope the expectation among our crew is that,
2: yeah, just just you don't even have to acknowledge it. Just no, tuck it away for, for tomorrow morning when you're actually yeah. at work. But yeah. we'll, well, I'll look into it. I don't want to be a, you know, any more annoying
3: than I am. <laughs> at your workplace, is there an expectation that if your boss, boss, boss doesn't have a T, if your boss, not in English, it doesn't. <laughs> if that's your that's, boss, get your word straight, Jack. If your boss emailed or texted you that you see it, like, quickly, is there an expectation of that? Or can you get away with, oh, I put my phone away when I got home. I saw it in the morning. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Andrew Cuomo got a kicking yesterday, so I like that. I like a good Cuomo kicking, Uh, among other things we can talk about coming up.
5: Armstrong.
4: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Starting it from
2: the
3: start, Wiggins again. Here's Curry for the record.
5: It's good! And there it is! Stephen Curry!
3: And so the best part of that clip to me is that's not a home game. The crowd going wild like that—that's Madison Square Garden in New York City. Because Steph Curry is well, a bunch of polls have showed this—he's the most liked player in the NBA. He's not a villain anywhere. Everywhere, everywhere the Golden State Warriors go, who have the best record in the NBA, Um, he's rooted for. So, hmm. pretty cool position to be in. And he was asked after the game um if he's the greatest have that shooter of all. Don't we? Player. Okay, let's I never want to
5: call myself the greatest shooter until I got this record. So, I'm comfortable saying that now.
3: And then the reporter said, as he was walking away, "Just to just to clarify, you are calling yourself the greatest shooter of all time." He put his hands in the air. That's right.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, if it's true, it ain't bragging. That's what. They, no that's kidding. what Muhammad Ali used to say, more or less.
0: That was so, fun.
2: Uh, you know what? As long as we're, uh, we're talking about uh, Steph Curry and the NBA, which is dead to me, but uh, eh, I may tune in once in a blue moon. Um, uh, give me clip number nine. This is the great Shaquille O'Neal.
5: He's been a joy to watch for me. You know, people always say, well, how come your favorite player is not a big man? I've played against the greats like the Barkley. I've, I've seen it all. Never quite seen anybody like that kid. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family and I'm anxious to see where the number stops when he stops playing. Um, so
3: Steph Curry's willingness to shoot the ball. I mean, that shot he made was several steps behind the three point line. Well, it was like a fall away 30 footer. It was ridiculous. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> and it hit nothing but the bottom of the net either. Did you? I read an article. I can't remember. I don't think we talked about it. He now is utilizing this, uh, some sort of you know laser or something or other technology. To shrink the basket, so now when he practices, he's not trying to make three pointers, he's trying to hit the inner two thirds of the basket, and if he does it, he considers it a miss. he's trying to hone his shooting to within the inner inner part of the you know the basket, the hoop just crazy didn't know it has to hit a certain percentage within that micro-hoop, or he's a, he's got to keep working
3: at it. He bought a couple of his teammates Rolexes last night for, uh, I guess, setting him up for the shot or whatever.
2: Yeah, which is to his income level, like me going down to the thrift store and getting a couple of used Timexes.
3: Yeah, you give me a cup of coffee. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, uh, do we have some funny Shaquille O'Neal? Do I understand, or what? Yeah, what's going on here, Michael? What do the folks need to understand?
5: Uh, on the TNT broadcast set, of course, he's with Charles Barkley. Uh, I guess he walked on wearing a wig, and they wanted to know what the deal was. What so,
2: sort of wig? I mean...
5: You know what? I don't know. I didn't
4: watch the clip. But, oh, okay. Uh, here All it right. is. Shaquille O'Neal. I know there's got to be a story behind this. Yeah, he's a damn idiot. You promise not to laugh? <laughs> I promise.
5: I was leaving my house the other day, and a hawk attacked me. You didn't get attacked oh, by a hawk. Stop it. Look, oh, what I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you. Zoom in. So you put a wig on? Bro, I, I can't be sitting over here with a Band-Aid on my head. Oh, so okay, yeah, that makes you right? look better How with that wig How did it really on? happened Okay, I was walking, and I didn't see the exit sign. <laughs> <laughs> I scraped the chunk of meat out of my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Right. excellent look there, man. No, it, well. Is it back? Big? x oh, bigger? Yeah, it's, it's, it's back. Like stitches? No, just I, scrape. Well, that's among the things scraped,
3: I don't that. have to worry about. I scraped a chunk of meat off my head. Why are you wearing that wig? Charles says, because he's a damned idiot.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Shaquille O'Neal, I know there's got to be a story behind this. Yeah, he's a damn idiot. (laughs) Chuck Barkley.
2: If I watch that show, but
3: not any games, is the NBA still dead to me? No, that's a pretty good show to watch. A bunch of gazillionaires long-retired, sitting around giving each other crap. That's a pretty good job, if you can get it.
2: Oh, yeah, neither <laughs> one of them has a single crap to give, either.
3: Uh, somebody who's less of a millionaire than they were before, Andrew Cuomo. Do you remember him? The governor of New York, who famously wrote a memoir right in the middle of COVID about what a great job he did. And because the media was so in love with him at the time... And like I became love a best- you. <laughs> it became a bestseller, and... Some critics were pointing out, as the story was unfolding, that um, uh, uh, a bad decision by him killed thousands and thousands and thousands of old folks as he sent them into the um, nursing homes, forced them into the nursing homes. And he lied about it. Remember that. And, as I've always said, I'll give you a pass for a bad decision. You shouldn't get credit for a bad decision, but, you know... Maybe he thought it was a good idea at the time. But then they covered it up, which is absolutely fantastic. Well, Andrew Cuomo had to relinquish $5 million he made on his COVID-era memoir while he was New York, Gov- New York governor, a state ethics watchdog ordered yesterday.
2: Yeah, yeah, good. Well, the whole thing, the whole episode was so strange. And to my mind, he has never truly and deeply apologized. that and I, I would
4: truly call and deeply apologized for uh-huh. it. Oh, I stand
2: corrected, um, but I mean it's like if Hitler had written a book in 1943, how to win a world war. I mean it's a little premature, there, uh, Governor. How I led us out of the pandemic as oh, with all yeah, the old people
3: that dead. in like May of 2020, which we're now you oh. know a, a year and a half past. Yeah, yeah, some things are so strange, strange doesn't do.
2: You have to use the word bizarre. That's a bizarre thing to do. And the fact that most of the American media just praised him, just couldn't, you know, I almost used an unfortunate expression of an act of love. Uh, it couldn't blank him enough. Just, oh, it's
3: disgusting. They were called uh-huh. Cuomo sectionals. Oh, Cuomo sexuals yeah. Yeah, why can't, he
4: run-
3: <laughs> why can't he be running for president instead of Biden and all that sort of stuff? He right. was groping women who didn't want it. Uh, He was lying about killing old people and destroying documents so people wouldn't catch on to the fact that he killed old people. Couldn't be a worse human being, and I'm glad he had to give a whole bunch of his money back. I hope he's ruined. I hope he ends up actually ruined. That would I be don't fantastic. N- I don't know that he'll
2: actually have to give that money back. Something tells me his lawyers are fairly skillful and they're not done fighting, but uh, it's worth pointing out that the, oh,
4: I truly oh, deeply apologize. And I whining. truly and deeply oh, apologize for God, it. You
2: weasel. That wasn't about ordering all the old people to their deaths, then actively covering it up and lying about it. That was about saying, boy, you have a nice uh, rear end to a co-worker, which is uh, utterly unacceptable and untoward. But Sweetheart, darling, if, if you're going to apologize for any of those sins, I got a list, okay? And, and, and m- m- the top of my list apparently is different than his.
3: Well, we extended the debt limit yesterday along party lines. Just fantastic. We do that every time. And on a totally different topic, one of the best uh, arguments I've ever heard against
2: reparations and how we should never even talk about it again. Quite eloquent and reasonable. Stay tuned. If you miss the segment, grab it by a podcast. Armstrong and
5: Armstrong and Getty.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, the Library of Congress announcing this year's picks for the National Film Registry. 25 films deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant added to the registry this year. And some of the most noteworthy, Return of the Jedi, the sixth episode of the Star Wars film franchise. The horror classic A Nightmare on Elm Street. Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. The first film in the Lord of Rings trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring, and... The Disney Pixar classic, Wall-E. Hmm. Fine films, all.
3: I watched what I think is now my favorite movie of all time in the hospital the other night. I rented it, rewatched it on my phone, watching one of the great cinematic masterpieces of all time on a iPhone 12 mini.
2: I'm sure the uh, director's thrilled by that choice.
3: <laughs> Had my headphones on. Apocalypse Now, I think, is my favorite mm. movie of all time. By the way, something. I've done the research. Don't watch Apocalypse Now extended cut. Don't watch Apocalypse Now redo. They add in stuff. Sorry, that's my phone ringing. Coppola himself adds in stuff that makes his movie worse. I I find that really fascinating. He's the guy that created the brilliant art that always makes the top ten list of greatest movies of all time. And he thinks they got it wrong and believes there should be other scenes in there that make it worse really interesting well you know i i will occasionally remind myself
2: tiger woods has a swing coach mark twain had an editor i mean just sometimes the artist needs a little arm around the shoulder and says you know what uh, francis ford uh, that scene makes the movie longer it doesn't make it better it's a good scene it's a fine scene Hmm. you know that sort of thing um, I don't think I've ever, Oh, you know what? I sat through part of the, uh, the director's cut or whatever that was that came out to great renown. That's like just so long, so long. Yeah. 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 Um,
3: but you Some know, tracks it's, rather than ads. Yeah. It's, it's
2: tough. It you do that in music too. It's, you know, as the old saying goes that what you need to figure out is when to stop painting, um, or, or recording or whatever. Stop it. You're not making it better. You're making it longer. Um, so, anyway, uh, they changed the name of the uh, airport in uh, in uh, Las Vegas uh, t- from McCarran Airport. And I'd never spent a single second of my life having flown in and out of that airport many, many times. I never thought for a second about who McCarran was. Turns out he Meaning was a, an American farmer, attorney, judge, and Democratic politician who was an avowed racist and anti-Semite as well as an anti-communist. Um, and evidently there was a movement to get his name off the airport. and it So now it's the
3: Elvis Elvis it Airport? The,
2: Alex the, it is the fat, <laughs> pilled-up Elvis International Airport. <laughs> uh, no, it is the Harry Reid Airport, which isn't much of an upgrade from the old races, if you have ask me. Although well, Harry Reid's though. an interesting guy. Go
3: ahead. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Stadiums, um, airports, whatever, that are named after somebody. You never think about it at all. Not much. You just don't think about it at all. It's just what the name of it is. Doesn't mean anything to you at all. I've never even hesitated, never even considered the idea of like Wikipediaing the name of the person that that airport was named after. Never thought about it. Well, I
2: have thought about that sort of thing, having grown up watching planes take off and land from O'Hare Airport. I have looked up on probably half a dozen occasions who O'Hare was, and every time I promptly forget it, because it's just not that interesting. Apparently not, anyway, or maybe I'm a simpleton, but anyway, so it's now the Harry Reid Airport. Harry Reid, I thought, was despicable in so many ways. I thought the last few years of his Senate career were just absolutely unforgivable. On the other hand, his life story is, is interesting as hell.
3: Oh yeah, his life story is fascinating. Growing up in the in the whorehouse and perump and all that sort of stuff, but um, he, I think, played a major role in ushering in this era of, you know, each side going for the juggler. Um,
2: yes. Yeah. Yeah. Willing to chuck the future of the country to score a temporary victory,
3: changing the rules that had been around forever. He was. He played a big role in there at, at the beginning of this downward trend we've had in politics.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let me just say that the term you used is rather a harsh one. You could have gone with House of Ill Repute, um, or that sort of thing. On the other hand, if that House of Ill Repute in Perump, if their slogan wasn't we put the rump back in Perump, I mean they were just making a terrible mistake. Of course, you know, I'm a words guy. So anyway, uh, where were we? Ah, yes. Oh, McCarran's a racist. Now I remember why I brought that up. I came across this piece in the USA Today, which shocked me, because if you're not familiar with America's McPaper, it's gone way woke. I mean, it's got a newsroom stuffed full of 24-year-old J school graduates who are to the left of, of anywhere Harry Reid ever dreamed of being. They're all social justice warrior Boring, tiresome nut jobs.
4: You know and, what woke means? It means you're a loser.
2: And I get news alerts on my phone, and any time I see it's the USA Today, I roll my eyes because I know it's going to be woke. I mean, actually, this is you know, this is actually a cool story. Just to, at random, I flipped to my phone, uh, but they have a racial justice story from 1961. But it's a legit one. It's a good one. Um, but then here's. Uh, a woke story about COVID. Um, here's a woke story about climate change. Um, all sorts of stuff. Just It's all woke all the time. But occasionally they will print an alternative point of view. And David Mastio wrote a piece uh, published in the paper entitled, The Route to a Better, More Equal America is Through Colorblind Reform and Individual Justice, Not Racial Entitlements, uh, which I agree with uh, fervently. And so does France, interestingly enough. They're battling the whole woke thing because it's invading from America and, and Britain. And I have some interesting quotes from France later on, maybe if we get to it. But uh, Mastio writes, America has been paying reparations for slavery for more than 160 years. President Lincoln recognized as much in his second inaugural address when he said, Fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled by the bondsman's 250 years of unrequited toil shall be sunk, and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Meaning, the, the horrific sin of slavery is so enormous, where we may pay a cost forever. That was Lincoln, who modern woke idiots who are so ignorant of history say wasn't really he wasn't really the great emancipator at all he was a racist their ignorance is stunning but he goes on to say mastio goes on to say the civil war cost the union and the confederacy more than 90 billion dollars adjusted for inflation and 750,000 overwhelmingly white lives this was just the down payment on our reparations um, and then they mentioned that California's got a first in the country reparations task force, which is just so phony. It is true that there remain wide disparities between black and white Americans in pay, wealth, health, education, and more. We have to do better. That's what America has always been about, a more perfect union. But the route to a better, more equal America is through colorblind reform and individual justice, not racial entitlements. Programs for black farmers, black college students, black homeowners, black businesses, and so on. For instance, Amer- African-Americans have complained that they are hobbled in the quest for homeownership by the fact that years of on-time rental payments don't result in the good credit they need to buy a home. Which I didn't even know. But Mastio points out, <clears throat> that's it's, it's, it's dumb. But we can add rental payments to all credit reports, helping poor people of all racial and ethnic backgrounds just as much as poor blacks. Just so happens the help will disproportionately go to black Americans.
3: That is dumb because... um I fervently believe that these businesses aren't racist. They're in the business of, they want to give out loans to people that will pay them back. They're in the business of making money. So the fact that you wouldn't count somebody making the rent on time. Which is most
2: people's biggest bill, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. Uh, as uh, as as proof that hey, I can loan money to this person. They're they're good for it. This is a way for us to make money. I just that's hard to understand.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't a believe lot it's racism. It
3: just sounds like bad business. Yeah, I don't know a lot about that. But um, uh,
2: moving along, African Americans justly complain of a history of substandard schools that have relegated their children to lives of poverty. Colorblind school choice for kids in failing schools to attend public or private schools that are better will help all students in failing schools. It just so happens the help will go disproportionately to black families. In the wake of George Floyd's murder by a cop, maybe you don't like that choice of words, but I'll read on, uh, reforming police has become a major national cause. Certainly, we can find ways to reform policing so violence is not the tool of choice among those with a badge. The colorblind result will save more white lives than black ones, but black people will disproportionately benefit. In other cases, we can repair people's lives for harms they directly suffered. If you were wrongly denied a government loan because you were black, you should be eligible for compensation. Not because of the group you belong to, but because you're an individual who is wronged. All of those steps will take us toward a colorblind equality where all have a fair shot at the American dream if they work and hard, work hard and play by the rules. Race-based reparations will take us away from that goal by fostering continued racial division and political strife. Poor whites! We'll see handouts and advantages for blacks of all economic classes as an insult to their own struggles. Many will object to giving reparations to the 17% of black Americans who are immigrants and their children. They have no history of suffering from slavery or Jim Crow. Many whites descended from those who fought and died to end slavery. They might justly object that their families have already paid for America's sins. Millions more Americans, like my grandparents, didn't immigrate to America until the 20th century, leaving them blameless for structural racism. And it won't just be white who subject last year, liberal California had the chance to vote on this question. Should the state return to race based admission policies at public universities? The voter said no overwhelmingly. If race-based reparations can't pass in a state that has voted for Democratic senators, Democratic presidents in every election this century and has among the largest minority populations, then the idea won't have support nationally. Indeed, a majority of Asians, nearly half of Hispanics, and a significant minority of blacks in California said no to race-based affirmative action despite a more than 16 to 1 spending advantage for backers of the race-conscious policies. Now, what's interesting about this piece by David Mastio, because I think it's, it's pretty good and well written, is he doesn't even get into the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that have been directed toward black America, uh, especially since... Um, the Lyndon Johnson administration, the Great Society, and and the rest of it. And if you're going to get into that, and this is why people don't refer to that very much, if you get into that, you realize it has wrought horrific consequences in a lot of ways.
3: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. So I was listening to a Thomas Sowell YouTube video the other night. He's the uh, black academic from uh, Stanford Hoover. And uh, he makes that argument all the time, that if you look at the... Uh, disparity between white outcomes and black outcomes as a whole. They were much closer together right before the Great Society started in the mid-60s. That was through the Jim Crow years. The gap had been narrowing all those years through the Jim Crow South and everything involved in that. But when the Great Society started throwing money pro- at all these problems and everything like that, it started going the other direction. So how would you have reparations based on... The outcome of now, which you can easily make an argument, has been worsened by government policy that had nothing to do with slavery. I mean, if you're going to have reparations, if you were going to do it, and I think it's a horrible idea, you ought to at least go back to pre-Lyndon Johnson uh, to figure out where the numbers are. Right, you're doubling down on policies that had the opposite effect of what was intended.
2: And they were well intended at the time. But And this is a gross oversimplification, but it doesn't make it less true. Black America to a large extent and while suffering from awful racism, discrimination, unforgivable uh you know uh, violations of the, their civil and constitutional rights which which disgust me frankly um, were strong, proud, in many cases educated, strong families, strong extended families, and would not accept defeat now that culture. Was then supplanted by Uncle Sam's going to take care of you? And by the way, if you don't have a husband, you're going to do a hell of a lot better than if the husband is in the home helping to raise the kids. All these disincentives for intact families, disincentives for uh, hard work, for entrepreneurialism, for education—it's been an unmitigated disaster. These programs and and America's failure to recognize that is just proof to me that it's not about helping the people you're you're claiming to help. It's about ensuring they vote for you. Because they're dependent, which is disgusting.
3: Well, if you're going to look at it from that cynical standpoint, it is self-defeating. Uh, the Wall Street Journal with their article the other day, the latest polling on Hispanics, Will you would you vote for a Republican or an anonymous Democrat or an anonymous Republican? It was 37 to 37. Hispanics are now split evenly on whether they would vote for a Republican or Democrat, 22% undecided. If you want Hispanics to end up with whites and Asians all as a group, the best way to do that would be to get this reparations thing going, because all these different ethnic groups are going to say, "What? I'm spending tax money to pay for something 200 years ago? What we weren't? T- what are you talking about?" So it would be self defeating for the Democrats anyway. You could always weigh in on the conversation. Text line four one five two nine five KFTC.
1: is Is there anything that would prompt you to return to a statewide order? Well, you know, our top goal is always to follow the science. And there was a time when there was no vaccine and masks were all we had and we needed to wear them and Colorado stepped up, which was great. The truth is we now have highly effective vaccines that work far better than masks. I mean, not even close. So it's a different place. Everybody's had more than enough opportunity to get vaccinated. I think hopefully it's been at your pharmacy, your grocery store, a bus near you, big event. Um, at this point, if you haven't been vaccinated, it's really your own darn fault.
2: That's uh, Jared Polis. He's uh, the governor of Colorado for the last couple of years. He's a Democrat.
3: He's a practical man. Yeah, you can change your own darn fault. So oh. Pardon me? <laughs> own darn f- fault there's no need to resort to you know sailor talk might have to rewind the tape on that did i accidentally say my least favorite word (laughs) You you clearly did the f word dig that up michael see if see if i made a mistake uh him saying if you didn't get the vaccine it's your own darn fault or your own darn choice might be another way to say it sure and you're clearly obviously willing to live with the repercussions of that decision yeah,
2: the uh, far left San Francisco Chironical actually uh, published a piece by one of their uh, one of the writers Eric Ting. Uh, he was talking about Gavin Mussolini in California, but this absolutely could extend to Gretchen Whitmer or the uh that woman who's the uh, I can never remember her name. She's the new governor of New York who's every bit as bad as Cuomo on COVID policy. There are tons and tons of examples around the Mona country. Lots of uh, I don't believe that's the woman's name. Um And I love you. All right, then. All right. Anyway, but the the point of this article is that, uh, and and the subhead, let me click over there, is that uh, the uh, San Francisco Gate, that's the website, uh, politics editor Eric Ting argues that Gavin Newsom is not following the science on zero COVID. And the greater point is California remains under under an indefinite state of emergency. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, and if it hasn't already been made clear, state officials have no plans to even identify conditions that would allow for the suspension of the emergency sweeping powers. Not only are they not ending the sweeping powers, like the governor of Colorado just said, oh, no, it's over. There's no emergency. If, if you're unvaccinated, and you get sick, that's your own fault. It's not my problem. No more emergency powers here. California won't even identify the
3: standards they will use to end the emergency. Can you believe that? Not to mention that the New York Times had an op-ed from doctors saying that counting cases at this point is pointless.
2: Right. Oh, absolutely. So uh, the Gumber sat down with uh, a, uh, a local TV affiliate and the reporter said, Hey, big milestone. California is at 93% of people who've had at least one shot, which is something to celebrate, right? Uh, but when we get to that point, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? When does this state of emergency end if we're seeing that much progress on vaccinations? And you know, we should have dug up this tape, but I'll read, I'll read the transcript to you. We'll know it when we experience it, said the lunkhead governor. They say about success, it's not a place or a definition. It's a direction. I what? mean, vi- yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? What happened if
3: we follow the science? If if I go to the warden
2: and say, when do I get out of prison? He says, you know, Joe, they say about freedom, it's not a definition, it's a direction. So I can never tell you when you're going to get out. Yeah, that would not be acceptable. I mean, eventually we'll get to that point, but it doesn't seem that there's a numerical match to it. It was, you know, initially it was 60%, then 70%. You had that with herd immunity, antibodies for people who haven't been vaccinated, and now we're realizing, wait a second, I mean, we're many parts, one body. What happens in South Africa can impact us here in the U.S. So even if a state does well, that doesn't mean we're out of the woods. Look, we're making progress, blah, blah, blah. They won't
3: even say when the sweeping emergency powers will end. I hope lots of counties and and towns ignore the mask mandate like they're doing in New York State. Do the same thing in California. Just ignore it. They're not going to enforce it. Don't worry about it. Armstrong and Getty.
0: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do